Hello and welcome to Developer's Journey, the podcast shining light on developers' life from all over the world. My name is Tim Bourguignon and today I speak with Darren Honey. Darren is a software developer for Microsoft and the founder of the That Programming Guy company, through which he does the two things that he loves most, helping people and tutoring in programming. And when he's not working, because this happens, he either plays video games or does chores, or so he say. Hmm. And by the time this episode airs, he will be almost married, so I guess helping people and tutoring in programming are not the things he loves the most after all. Darren, welcome to Dev Journey. Thanks, Tim. Did I butcher your name, Herb, there? Yes. Oh, can you correct that's, me? That's fine. Uh, my last name is pronounced Hona. Hona, okay. Hona. Sorry about that. That's Hona. okay. Yeah. It's hard for a French guy to pronounce the H, the H at the beginning. Hona. Oh, sorry about that. So That's fine. Tell us. What is your life story? I mean, um, tell us about the detours that finally led to led you to to working for Microsoft and and creating the, this tutoring company. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> sure. Well, the first thing I want to say is I never envisioned myself working for Microsoft. I just kind of happened to get at Microsoft and I know a lot of people are like, I want to work at Microsoft. I want to work at Facebook. I want to work at Google. I'm like, I just want to work. You know, I, I'm a type of person who um, works to live. But uh, so what got me to Microsoft is I just kept getting better at my job. People liked me eventually. I was a vendor at Microsoft, so they got laid off because they didn't have enough money to hire vendors. Um, if you don't know, vendors are almost like the um, temp workers at Microsoft. About five months later, my boss from my team that I was working on copying back is like, hey, do you want to work full time in my team? And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so, yeah, interviewed and got the job. Uh, so, yeah, I, I never wanted to, I never envisioned myself working Microsoft. It just happened. Um, my first goal was to uh, actually make a certain money amount per year and that was my goal of what I wanted to do so it's always keep getting better keep going especially since I don't have a degree I'm a four-year degree I have a two-year degree and since I don't have a four-year degree I knew that the only way I could kind of leverage um, and have my competitive edge was just keep getting better learn different materials uh, just keep going uh, how did you set foot in the uh, in the IT industry? Um, if it's not through studies, did you, how did you discover this and and um, and learn all this? Yeah, uh, that's an interesting story. Um, so I got interested in programming because I wanted to make a better Sonic the Hedgehog game. Um, <laughs> yeah, though no, at the time, um, I really wanted to make a better 2D game since. Sega wasn't coming out with any good 2D games. I was like, oh my gosh, I want to make my own. Haven't made a video game yet. But uh, because of that, my brother-in-law, who's already a programmer, um, started helping a little bit. And then when I got in school, I started to learn programming. Uh, so how I got in the door, even though I didn't really have a degree, was um, way back in high school, um, I met this friend. Her name is Casey. And we kept being friends in high school, and then in college, Casey's a year ahead of me. Uh, and so Casey got me this job at U-Haul. Um, and for, 
I, I guess since this is an international podcast, um, it is the uh, self-moving company of America. Mm-hmm. Um, got me a job at U-Haul. I was there for three years and about two and a half years uh, working at U-Haul. Casey just out of the blue said to a customer, oh my gosh, I can make a better web UI than this. And the person's like, hey, you know, I, I'm a handle hiring at this company. I'm a co-owner. Why don't you call me and you do an interview? So after all, Casey left for that job. It was uh, called Retail Lockbox and he became a programmer. And about six months later, Casey called me and was like, hey, Darren, I know you want to be a programmer. You know, I know you've been studying, going to school. You want to join? I'm like, yeah, of course I do. Of course I want to be a programmer. So um, went to the interview uh, and Kind of, that was that. I stayed at Retail Lockbox for two years. From that, I moved to a place called Solidon Partners. From there, I was a vendor at Microsoft and then got laid off and then I got hired at Microsoft in full time. Um, so it has uh, been a journey, I would say. The journey of Darren Hona. <laughs> That's cool. That's exactly what you want to hear. Yes. Uh, so you started directly um, doing um, web development? No, uh, I was um, gone. I read Retail Lockbox and whatever. I got into the back end programming role, which I enjoyed a um, lot, lot more. Casey, on the other hand, was more of the front end guy, but I did much more back end. Um, and I find that I enjoy now, even though back end, much, much more because you get to do designs, you get to figure out the architecture, you get to do, you actually get to work with code and design patterns and should this work or should this work. Um, with front-end web development, I mean, there's so much stuff going on. I remember I saw a, um, something that actually shows like a webcam can watch you draw on a whiteboard and from that, it'll actually make the HTML code and CSS code that does your design. I'm like, there's so many tools to do front-end development now. I'll just do back-end development where there's still coding involved. <laughs> yeah, no, I actually, um, in a development meetup I went to, one person actually said that. She's like, I wanted to get into back-end development because there's so many tools for front-end development now. There's Squarespace, there's Wix. Um, and I understand if you want to do a more of a complicated uh, front end, you have JavaScript, but that that's about it. You have so many WYSIWYGs and so many tools to get you front and back end development. There's not that many tools out there anymore. Or if there is, it's to, you know, like um, here's a queue for um, here's a queue for this C, which doesn't have a standard queue class. Um, just just stuff like that. So I like back end much more, and I tell people in my interviews I like back end more. Um, even though it probably works against me since everyone wants a front-end developer. <laughs> oh, uh, I, can, uh, I can tell you some people really do like back-end. I, I meet a lot of developers who say, I don't want to do anything. Uh, I don't want to have to do anything with front-ends nowadays. It's moving too fast and uh, you don't know what you, can, uh, what you should learn and it's already outdated. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of a problem. But um, but Microsoft is is pushing with the Azure um, all the Azure services um, into making Oof. the backend um, um, a clicky stuff as well, isn't it? Um, I don't know exactly. I mean, Microsoft is huge. I worked on an Azure in the I worked on a team in the Azure namespace, mm-hmm. 
but I didn't work with like the platform development. I uh, worked at basically I was on a DevOps team and I was on the pipeline team. So what I mean by pipeline team is we acquired streams from other teams, smashed them together in different ways to get different telemetry and presented it to another team so they could present it to customers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was back endy, but it wasn't the let's make something, let's do something. Um, in comparison to the team I just joined last week, um, I'm on the R&D group of, I'm in the R&D wing of the Windows device group. So it's literally like, here's a problem. How do we solve it? And it's much more, in my opinion, backend developer-y and not a DevOps pipeline team. I know some people like that pipeline team DevOps thing. I don't. I'd rather sit down, work with people, make something, build a solution to something, and package it into the Windows OS. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds more backend-y, like yes. you say. I've been I've been amazed um, how much importance we lay on algorithmic and and um, and logic and actually what I I can't say uh, a percentage but maybe eighty percent of developers do is actually puzzle game with um, just one service here and one service there and just um, funnel um, data from right to left and it has nothing to do with algorithmic anymore. And when I when I picture backend um, development, that's what I have in mind. Um, really doing some algorithmic stuff. Is it what you have in mind as well? Yes. Yeah. No. It it is totally what I have in mind. Um, at least at a place like Microsoft, really, is because Microsoft is a very service oriented industry. You have Azure. You have Outlook as a service. Office as a service. Microsoft Dynamics CRM. Um, mm-hmm. and it's a lot of services where you have to code for something that's already made. There's not a lot of jobs where you actually make something. Um, like uh, when I was trying to find a different job at Microsoft, there were so many to choose from, but a lot of them were, were on the service side, and I wanted to get out of the service side and finding a non-service-oriented job at a big company like Microsoft or Facebook or Google or Amazon, Unity, is extremely hard if I wanted something much more of the uh, what I'm doing now and have to my uh, my it would be easier to find a job where it's not one of the big five or it's not a giant multi-million dollar multinational company. But yeah, I do agree. If you are in a job where the service is the big part, then you're going to have to do a lot of the pipelines of move things left to right. Uh, but as it's getting bigger, teams have become more and more specialized. For example, my um, coworker Sagata, he knows his, uh, he has a friend who works on a team that is responsible for load balancing authentication requests to Azure. Mm-hmm. Like just one tiny thing authentication, but it has to be load balanced because so many people log into Azure. As, um, and so it's from what I've seen in this big company, the bigger you get, the more specialized you're going to have your teams. Mm-hmm. Just uber crazy. Yeah, it makes sense in a way. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, how do you, looking back on your, um, on your path, um, what what key elements do you think um, prepared you the best for what you're doing today? Are there some 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 forks on the road, some things you say, well, this definitely makes sense now that I did it, and and I'm I'm glad I did. Huh. I think the biggest fork in the road would just be the learning. Um, because when you're learning your first 
programming language. I mean, it's called a programming language for a reason, even though it's not as uh, flowy or flexible as other spoken languages. It is really hard, and it's a new language, and it really kind of taught me um, how to learn, really. Um, and an antidote that I want to use to get more into <clears throat> this learning thing is um, I had a friend, her name, still have a friend, her name is Lorna, and um, in the American school system, once you get into college, you take pre-calc 1 and pre-calc 2 in order for to get to calculus. So pre-calc 2 is all about trigonometry and radii instead of degrees, all that other good stuff. And this woman, Lorna, she loved math. And then she's like, yeah, math is great for me. Then she got to trig, and she just was not good at trig for some reason. And in her head... She's like, oh, obviously math isn't for me because now I got to a hard spot. And uh, a lot of people, at least from what I've seen in America, is learning programming language is their first kind of hard thing that they're doing on their own. And once it's hard, they go, oh, obviously it's not for me. And a lot of people don't have the drive to go and get something done. Um, and that's what I encounter when learning a programming language. You know, we can all go online, you know follow with our have our hand held over you know brought on the happy path to learn programming and then our confidence go grows really high where it's like all right cool i can do this um and then eventually we get to a point where it's like all right let me try to do something on my own and your confidence dips so far and it's at that point i think a lot of people start to stumble and they stop and they're like oh this is hard it's not for me but it's the same thing, you know, with, with the learned language. You can learn the rules and everything, but you have to put those rules into perspective. But as long as you keep trying, you get the thing done, then you try it again, then you try it again, then you try it again. Eventually, your confidence will build up over time to you get to a point where, like, I can do this. But it's so slow that people don't see that they're learning. Um, and I think that's another important concept that I want to touch on is... um seeing that you have learned. And this happened for me. Um, I went to college. I didn't graduate, so that's why I don't have the uh, four-year degree. But I went to college, and in my, um, one of my classes, I forgot which one it was, I was at the library waiting for, waiting for my team to show up, and somebody next to me at a different table, and they were learning the basics of programming. So the tutor was asking them, what's a Boolean if you have an array and it has five elements. What are the valid indices? How do you get the first index? How do you get the last one? Those stuff. And I thought to myself, I know these answers. And I heard to myself, I was like, this, I have been learning. I know these things. And that was one of the kind of the turning points in my education and as well my confidence of myself. I'm like, I am learning. I do understand this. Mm -hmm. And that was very nice confidence boosting thing. <laughs> I believe it was. Yeah. Um, I have another. Yeah, sure, go ahead. Um, road, not not roadblock, but I do have something else if I can say that. Sure. Okay. This is um about more about learning, but this is um more about gaining confidence because I know a lot of people who go into programming are like, oh, it's a solitary activity. I don't have to talk with anybody. But then they get to interviews and they're like, what, I have to talk to people in front of people? Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, this was 
so as you know, you know, I was able to interview at Microsoft. I got the job. But my first interview, um, I had the imposter syndrome like none other. It was when I was maybe in my first or second year of college. Uh, ArenaNet is the people who made Guild Wars. And I managed to get in, get a place for the interview for their internship position. I was so excited. I was like, yay, I'm really excited. So I get to ArenaNet. It's a giant almost group interview thing. We're all placed into a room. And I hear somebody in the back is like talking about red black trees. And I had just taken, I think, my first quarter job. I'm like, wait, I don't know what a red black tree is. I don't know this stuff. And my thought was, am I in the wrong spot? I shouldn't be here. People know more than me. Oh, my gosh, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, fast forward about, I don't know, half an hour, the hiring manager's talking to all of us, and that same person asked the questions, like, will there be red black trees in the interview? I'm like, okay. Then I was like, I don't know where I am. I shouldn't be here. I'm going to bomb this interview. Oh, my gosh. And I got to the interview, and I was visibly shaking. Like, I knew I was shaking. I felt now when I look back, I feel bad for the people who were interviewing me. Like, I had a great case. Like, if I was confident and I stuck to my guns, I know I probably could have gone to the interview. But I was so just imposter syndrome E. I didn't have enough confidence. I didn't get the job. But I just wanted to say that isn't like, sure, I'm working myself now. But I started in a place where I was shaking during an interview, my first interview. Mm-hmm. You just got to work at it. Yes, yeah. What, what, what would you say to yourself if you were in that room uh, right now and you were able to, to talk to yourself? Um, if I was able to talk to myself, I would just say, calm down. Um, you did this project that you're really proud about. Just talk about it. Um, but I don't know if that would have helped me because I've never been in a situation like that before where I had to be proud and talk about something that I did in class. Um, Because I know they really liked it, or they would have liked it, because one thing that I know a lot of interviews want is like, how did you kind of think on your feet? What was this big roadblock? And for me, um, I was making this thing to be like, you know, is these, is all the squad dead? And when I made this, I didn't know what Booleans were. So I had an array of integers, either zero or one. I was like, if they're zero, they're not dead. If they one, they are. Almost like Booleans or uh, Logic and C. Mm-hmm. So I know if I told people that, they'd be like, oh, that's really cool. Tell me more. But I, I did it because I was so shaken. So I would tell myself to calm down, but I, I don't know if it would have helped. I think I needed to take this first stumbling block to continue on my way. That's where I am now. And my dad used to say, he still says, uh, like, we were going car shopping. And he's like, if you don't get the car, it, you know, it's not for you. The same thing when I was interviewing for positions for a full-time job at Microsoft. Um, I went to one place, and they're like, we love you. You're great. But you said this one thing, and we didn't like it, so we're not going to hire you. And I felt bad, but I was like, well, if I didn't get it, it wasn't for me. But now I'm at this job that I love even more, this team that I love even more. And it's like if I got the first job, I would have gotten gone on this team. So it it all it all evens out. <laughs> I understand that. I don't know who told me this uh, this before, but ever since I've been I've been interviewing only with polo shirts. I, I don't wear uh, formal uh, shirts anymore. I always interview with uh, with polo shirts. 
because that's the kind of, of environment I want to uh, to work in. Mm-hmm. And so it's been it's been a, an interesting journey at some point sometimes with people looking at you um, a bit um, weird and you realize okay they have a problem with the shirt and this is a great canary because uh, now I know okay if they do have a problem with the shirt then maybe they have more problems with me and with the way I want to work and um, I kind of hear this uh, through what you're saying it's um, it was not meant to be uh, you learned a lot and they that's that's the way it was supposed to be mm-hmm. yeah I, I i totally agree um i don't know how it is in germany but i know in america like i can usually walk into any software place for an interview and wear just jeans and a shirt because that's what most everyone wears i think one interview that i did where i got the job was i had um um based almost like a jammy shirt on where it was like it went pretty down low and it was a green shirt and it just had the one of mushroom from mario that said get a life and <laughs> I got the job just fine. Um, and I know if I wanted to, I could just go decked out in a full suit and tie if I wanted to. And like, why are you wearing that? I'm like, I don't know, because I can. <laughs> yeah, I, I cannot speak for Germany as a whole, but um, I, I kind of left the development uh, myself of being in, been in coaching for the past uh, the past few years. So I'm kind of more, um, more touching with management now. And so it's, uh, <laughs> they, they're not so happy when they see T-shirts. Um, I would say the polo shirt this is still okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, have you been in a, in a position to interview yourself um, as a, as an interviewer? Um, I was. I was going to actually. Um, the University of Washington is like one of the big universities here in Washington State, and I actually signed up to do technical interviews for people. Um, unfortunately, I had to cancel because about two weeks prior, I actually decided to look at my on-call schedule, and I was on call during that day. Okay. And I had to cancel. I felt like the worst person in the world because they were planning on it and planning on me being there. And now four students were um, couldn't go to get practice for an interview. I'm like, oh, I feel so bad. Um, but besides that, I haven't had any time to interview. I've spoken to a senior developer and a lot of other people that in interviews and what we're looking for, but I have never conducted an interview myself. Okay. Um do you have an idea of what you would be looking for if you were looking for for, for someone? What what kind of skills? I usually ask this question a bit later in the interview, but but it's uh, it's a, a perfect segue right now. <laughs> um yes, if I'm going to separate your answer into if I was hiring a junior developer versus hiring a mid to senior developer. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> for a junior developer, it would just be really to ask them um, either do a, hmm, I want to say whiteboard question, but at the same time, I loathe whiteboards. Um, <laughs> I don't like them, especially if it's like if you're going into a job and you don't have to worry about algorithms, don't do an algorithm question. Um, but I would want to see examples of them coding. So I might maybe get them a laptop instead or like, Hey, bring your laptop. I want to see how you code. Um, so it might actually be for a junior developer, just be like, you know, pull out your laptop, code something if they know how to code. Um, cause that's what the junior developers are being hired to hire to do is to code. And if they don't know how to code, well, that's, that's not good. I'll teach you like if you have a few, if you know how to code, rudimentary i can teach you on the job but if you're coming to the job and you don't even know like how to code at all you know then i wouldn't hire you so it really would be 
just to see how you could code and then talk to you about it. be like, you know, well, what about this or what about this? Or here's an interest in denominator code. What's the pros and cons of each to be able to talk like that and be like, would I want to work with you? If it would be a mid to senior developer, um, I would have much more trust. I'm like, all right, you know how to code. So I might not want to see how you code, but I would ask you interesting questions and more of a design architect way. And let's try to make it a conversation to build something and not a, can you please sit down and code for me? Um, because obviously I wouldn't want somebody who just sits down in the corner and codes. I'd want to, somebody's like, can I talk with you? Can I work with you? You know, we, the person and I don't have to get a beer afterwards, but as long as we can work together and get something out, that's much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. Makes sense. Um, yeah, I loathe uh, whiteboard questions as well. <laughs> but all the this this uh, um, trick questions, this is uh, you just make my uh, my uh, my. How do you call that? I get goosebumps. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. But one thing, one thing I, I really love, I love to do is um, is kind of similar to this podcast is is get the the person to tell me their story. And this is this is um, a perfect way to see if somebody is able to um, to communicate correctly, to gather their their thoughts, to summarize something, to pick the important elements. To navigate someone through um, something they don't know, or something the other person don't, doesn't know, and you can throw some curveball in there, um, like saying, "Okay, I don't care about anything that happens uh, more than three years ago," and suddenly they cannot start like, like they usually do with uh, with kindergarten. They have to start <laughs> three years ago. But um, this 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 reveals so so much, and um, I was thinking about this when you said uh, whiteboard. Because I usually also ask, maybe can you can you draw me something about your last project, um, some kind of not architecture diagram, but some some kind of diagram that I understand what's happening, mm-hmm. and you realize also where people start on the on the whiteboard, um, if they start in the corner, if they start in the middle, if they kind of know the um, the context in which they were moving, or if they have a hard time um, figuring out how to start. Those are pointers um, in every direction to just tell you about communication, thinking straight, um, summarizing, and stuff like that. This is usually where I start, um, regardless if it's a junior or um, a senior. I pick something they should be um, confident with, so either they are live or um, or the last project, and start with there. Um, and that's usually a good way to also um, um, get them to cool down. So um, you, you were mentioning you were very stressed during the, uh, that um, that assessment uh, center at, at uh, ArenaNet. Yes. And this is a good way to, to 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 keep the temperature down, saying, well, you're talking about yourself. You should you should know your life, and and you can lie. Actually, I don't know your life, so <laughs> you're supposed mm-hmm. to be the expert there. And I've 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 had good um, good um, experience doing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um. Yeah, the first interview is always is always weird. I would never do it again. I would never want to go back and redo that first interview. <laughs> I believe you. I believe you. Um, do you know? Oh, that, that's a question I picked up during the during uh, um your 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 story. Um, do you know how you learn personally? How I learn? Yeah. Do, do you have some? Yes. Do you have some tricks? Do you have? Do you, are you a visual person? Are you um? 
how did you figure out how how to best learn for yourself? The best way I figured out is to, if you're learning something new, to do it every day. But for me personally, is to also talk about it. Um, I, I do know if I go spend 20, 30, 40 minutes learning something to go to talk to my fiance, her name is Tierney, um, that I'm like, oh my gosh, Tierney, I learned this today. Here's what I figured out. Uh, for example, I'm learning Japanese, and Japanese a lot of rules, and you have conjugation. So it's like, Tierney, I just spent three hours figuring out why the sentence is like this. Let me explain it to you. Um, and now I can remember. So for me, it is a lot of just talking to people. Um, I was reading this um, book, Smarter 2.0, I think that's what it was. And he was talking about where there's the CEO or some high executive where the only way he could hash out things and figure out pros and cons was just by talking about what he needed somebody to listen to him. And I think that's what I need to do, listen to me so I can talk. Um, and to that effect, if I'm taking notes or stuff like that, I make sure to say my notes out loud and not just internalize them because I learn with writing and with talking out loud. So that's what I usually do. And if you work with me, I talk a lot to my computer and talk to myself. Yeah. Talking. <laughs> oh, this is fun. Uh, do you yeah. know the, uh, the term um, rubber um, ducking or, or rubber Yes, duck rubber duck debucking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like um, that. Yeah, no, it does. And I totally get it. And, um, I know that's a very great way to debug. So I've actually had a coworkers who couldn't figure out a problem. And I just go, just tell me about it. Cause I know, cause I bet we've all done it too, where you go to someone's like, here's my problem. Here's what it is. Here's, Oh my God, I figured it out. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. And then you leave. I, I know that's a thing. So I try to make my coworkers talk, but yeah, I um, say that's like, just buy a rubber duck and talk to it. If that's what you need to do. Some people just need an audience. True that. True that. Um, I guess this is an interesting segue um, into your your own company, the uh, that programming guy. Yes. Um, tell us more about this. <laughs> um, so that programming guy is a program tutoring company. Um, I started it because I was really tired of working for the man. Um, because right now my income is tied to my time. Even if I could work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, there's only so much money I can make. If somebody says, all right, you can get paid this many, you know, this much money per hour, I can calculate the maximum money I can make per year. Um, and I was really tired of that. I was really tired of the, I have to have this monotonous schedule every day. It's the same thing. So I wanted to try to make my own company where I could kind of make my own hours and I could go, you know what? I don't want accepting people this day. I'm not going to accept any clients today or tomorrow or something like that. And I, it was up to me also on top of that it, because I'm the one getting the money. I'm the one making the website. I'm the one marketing myself. I'm much more inclined to market myself and to do everything. because at a job. Sure. I like the team I'm on, but If it's like, all right, well, I'll keep the job and I can only, I, I can, all, <clears throat> it would be if I can, uh, work only at this level to make sure you can have the job. Cool. If I work harder, I can, but I'm not going to get anywhere. Eventually I might, but I don't want to work 80 hours and not have a life in order to get promoted to levels. I don't want to do that. So it's like, let's make this company where it's my time and I define the hours. And eventually I want to figure out a way 
to make some passive income with us with this, but I do know the first step is to work for myself. And then eventually, once I get that on my belt, then I can be like, all right, how can I generate this for passive income? So if I want to take two weeks off, I'm still getting money. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the program tutoring part came from um, just that I really like helping people. Um, my fiance actually made a program for me for Christmas and I'll see it on Christmas, but uh, I was really happy to sit with her while she was reading a book, and she's like, oh, I don't understand what they did here. I don't understand their example. I'm like, oh, let me help you. I really enjoy helping people, um, and they like programming. Um, on top of that, since I went to the depths of the despair where my confidence level went low, I want to help people. I'm like, yes, this is going to happen. It will happen no matter what. You have to expect it, and I want to help people with that and figuring stuff out, so... For example, my client, she's taken an algorithms course. I've never taken an algorithms course at all. I know like the intro to algorithms, like big O, and some sorting. So for her, every time she schedules a session with me, she actually sends me some of her homework, and she goes, here's the questions I want to go over, or here's the things I don't understand. And I actually spend the time to go over the questions myself, to do the homework so I can help her better understand her homework. She's like, oh my gosh, this makes so much more sense. So it's really just the helping people that I like. Um, and the name of that programming guy is this because I was like, well, who do you went to? Oh, I went to that programming guy. Not those programming people, that programming guy, which I like. I do as well. That's a very cool name. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, how do you, um, how does it, um, take place i mean practically is is it some kind of remote uh pair programming session or how, how do you do that right now i drive to people's um a cafe to wherever they want to go so mm-hmm. a halfway so my client she is in seattle i'm about 40 minutes north of her so we just decided to meet in shoreline which is a city in between um last week i did meet someone over skype because she lived in SeaTac, which is like over an hour away from me. I'm like, I don't want to drive there. And she couldn't drive to Seattle, so we did it online. Um, but I still want to do it in person because I much more like the one-on-one. You're physically here. I'm physically here. We're in the moment. You have nothing else to distract you. Um, I can write on my notebook. You can see it. Um, and it just – I also see that being in person – The flow of communication is much easier. There's much less of a barrier than that is on here because um, I remember the first time I spoke to people on Skype, it was very stunted because I couldn't see the person in front of me. Now I'm used to it. I've been doing this for eight years. Um, so it's just, I like it on person. I do know if I can expand my marketing and expand my domain to be all national and to do online stuff, I could probably get much more money. I could get more, many more clients, but um, I don't have the time because my first goal is to get to a point where it's like, well, I can't accept more clients because I'm working 40 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Should I quit my job and then try to get more clients or should I? So that's that's the first goal. Um, so right now it's just all local. It's places where I can drive to. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, one, one last question because um, time is running off. Um, you say it's tutoring. Um, what's the difference for you between tutoring, mentoring, coaching, and teaching, for instance? Why did you pick tutoring in this case? 
Um, teaching is more of like I'm one person talking to a group of people, and I don't want to do that. Tutoring is much more one-on-one, um, and it's much more personal. So the teacher can go, here's a binary tree, here's how you traverse a binary tree. Um, but in tutoring, someone can go, here's a binary tree. I learned about the pre-order, post-order, in order, but I don't understand how it works. Then I could go, okay, let's write it out. Let's go through the steps. And you can spend an hour just going over the pre-order traversal. You couldn't get that in teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, mentoring is more of like, hey, maybe let's meet up for some coffee. Tell me about your thoughts. Um, stuff like that. And I could be like, you know, here's my thoughts. Here's what I think. I think you're going the right direction. You know, let me put you in the right direction. But I don't do mentoring because mentoring is much more of a free thing. Um, and I want to make money. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, consulting is actually a thing I want to get into. Um, I just wouldn't know how, but this wouldn't be, it's what I'm going to do is kind of consulting because I do advertise. I'm like, I can help you get into software development. You know, if you're trying to get into software development, I can do this. If you're trying to learn a new language, I can help you. You know, here's what I know. Let me help you on the way. If you have any questions, you can email me. Um, we can meet up for an hour. We can go through any things that you're having a hard time. So, for example, I um, one of my two clients I did a meet and greet with, one person's like, I'm just trying to learn programming, ground up. So I'm like, let's do C. Here's so much a charge. Here's a book you should get. And then come back to me if you have any questions. Fortunately, they have got back to me. Another client, um, same lady who was in SeaTac, she wanted to get into programming I was like, oh, you know what? There's actually a great coding school called Skillspire that's much cheaper and it's aimed toward minorities and women. You might want to look at that. Um, and then she was like, oh, thank you very much. I'll make sure to keep you in mind. I'm going to go look at them. I'll talk to them tomorrow. Okay, bye. And I was like, oops, you weren't <laughs> supposed to do that. But I did message her. She's like, that's really cool. I'll t- I, you know, I spoke to them. The prices are good. And I'm like, hey, you know what? Um, if you have any problems, Keep me in mind. You know, I'll be more than happy to help figure things out for you. Uh, so it, it just, it's, I'm, I know I've made mistakes. I'm going to keep going. There's part of the consulting. There's part of tutoring. It's a mix of both. I have to find my feet, find my niche of what I can do. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Um, I would love to continue talking about this, but we are really reaching the end of the time box. And I have one more question for you. Yes. Um, what advice would you give new developers today? If you had one to give, just one. Get any software developer job you can. Don't regret the money. Um, because you need the experience over everything else. Um, that's how it was when I started at Retail Offbox. Um, where I am, the average junior developer salary is about 60,000 US dollars a year. Um, my first junior development job was $32,000 a year. Did I like the money? No. Was it more than my job at U-Haul? Yes, but it was, I need the experience. So when you're first out there, get any job you can, even if you really don't like it. Um, once you got your foot in the door, then you can start making decisions of where do I want to go. But just get there, stay there for one, two, or three years, get the experience, and then jump to another ship. But get the job first. That gives you the experience. Thank you. That's a great advice. Thank you. Um, did we forget to speak about something? Did you have something on your mind we really needed to uh, to talk about? 
No, that was that that and the um confidence thing um is kind of what I'll like what I want to talk about. Cool. Then we have it. Um is there something um coming up on your plate? Some um something in the next month um that you are going to do talks um articles something important to mention? Yeah, uh not coming up but um can I refer to other podcasts? Sure, please do. Okay. Um Yeah, actually, yeah, something I want to say is the Cynical Developer Podcast. I forgot what episode, but I was actually a guest on there, and I actually more in-depth spoke about my journey from U-Haul to Microsoft in an hour, unlike this really speedy thing that I did here. So if anybody wants to listen to that, that's also really great, like rags to riches story about how I ended up at Microsoft from a 30,000-a-year job in U-Haul to actually be working at one of the multi biggest multinational corporations. Mm -hmm. I will add a link to the show in the show notes. Wonderful. Um, besides well, that, no, I think everything's good. Then I guess we have a show. Thank you very Sweet. much. You're that welcome. was great talking to you. You too. And this has been another episode of Developer's Journey, and we'll see each other in two weeks. Bye-bye. A small announcement before I sign off. 2018 is not yet over, but I am already well preparing 2019, and I need your feedback. Please head over to survey.devjourney.info and answer the few questions I prepared for you. Please help me understand how to produce even better content for you in 2019, and help even more developers grow on their journeys. Thank you.